Hey, thanks for getting the Pepsi I asked for. Yeah, no problem. It was on the way. I could really use the energy boost after this work week. Well, here's to your health and to the revolution. What? Is it... Is this... Coke? Not just Coke. Coke Zero. And now the podcast is all mine, and we're going to talk about woodworking. Now this week, we're talking about the importance of riding the bevel. What? What? Birds storm a bus, and we're going to tell you about how we saved the world. This episode of Storm Buds, we'll uncover some traders, totally, absolutely, definitely not see another trader coming, and get chased out of town by a mob with literal torches. I'm your warrior of light, Jerome Barbatsis, joined by my co-warrior, Alex Hambrock. Hello and good evening. Hello and good evening. We're going to be doing a mm, mostly important bits part recap of the um, patches 2.4, 2.5, 2.55, and the Binding Coils of Bahamut raid content of Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. Um, Strap in. We got another long one. Um, Just for, I think future's sake we're not gonna be doing patch content quite this big we're gonna probably break it up into three chunks um which is actually gonna be really good for us but for right now we i committed us to this so here we go without any uh more time being wasted um why don't we start off with 2.4 um we're gonna glue we're gonna gloop them we're gonna gloop these quests together yeah so 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 there are like over the course of the next 40 quests, there are like five or six different subplots going on. Yeah. We're just going to try and move kind of quickly through them and hit the interesting bits because uh-huh. otherwise it becomes impossible to juggle. Right. So something is like right now we learn about uh, this trader that has been kind of like eluding us this whole time, sort of. Mm. It, yes. So something, the trader, like I, we think we've tracked them down to being in the Immortal Flames. Yeah. Menphilia is like, oh, can we get the Crystal Braves involved? I want to point out that the first thing Ilbert does, he's the kind of de facto commander of the Crystal Braves at this point. Um, he does. He's, he goes, I tell you this in the strictest confidence. And then there's like an echo that reverberates in the entire room of the <laughs> Rising Stones. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Well, there's a traitor in the midst. <laughs> We're like, all right, chill out. Um, and thus we begin the, uh, we learn that the traitor goes by the codename Ivy. And there's a whole metaphor about the, the coils of the Ivy. The, the Ivy stretches whatever. everywhere. The Ivy has its fingers and everything. So we go to Reban uh, in the Immortal Flames. We have a whole quest where we're going to tell him because we think it's in the Immortal Flames. Um, and Ilban and uh, Ilban, that's the, that's the ship name. The Ilban. <laughs> Ilban Ilban is Ilbert and Roban's ship couple. <laughs> <laughs> Ilbert and Roban intru- reintroduce themselves sort of as old compatriots. It's a little hammy. Um, Ilbert tells us all these cool things about Roban that he did, uh, and I glazed over it because it's bad writing. It's it, it's nice to get some Roban backstory, but yeah, again, like mm. whatever. Uh, Show don't tell. Mm-hmm. That, yes, that'll happen later. Uh, the next quest, we we go kill some Garleans. Yeah, we, we we go cut some garleans, Great. and then we jump over to dealing with like some issues with the um with, with the Ishgardians. Yeah, so we jump. Um, we do this. Uh, here we go. These we quests have to, really jump around. They jump around. They really kind of stretch the Warrior of Light thin in terms mm-hmm. of where he's going all the time, and it's 
narratively a whiplash experience uh but alphanel really really thinks it's important that we get the ish guardians back into the erosian alliance uh, and so we have a chance to finally meet up with this big ish guardian knight named uh, emmerich emmerich Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah um emmerich and then what was a taciturn ish guardian knight as oh yes, compatriot. <laughs> right now, uh, we speak with Orshvan. With this, is the first time we're in the, we're in the intercessory. We have this really great dipl- diplomatic scene that we actually see. Mm-hmm. Right, um, they're starting to show us these things, and it's like uh, the Ishgardians are not. There, I mean, Emmerich's no pushover. He's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, Alpha was like, oh, so you should team up with us and help us with all the problems. And he, he says, I mean, the, the primals mm. all seem to be in your territory, so it's really not our problem. <laughs> yeah, but there is something they want. Um, so there's, he's there because, like, the, um, he wants to continue giving house, or he wants to continue giving supplies to Evidence Toll via mm-hmm. House for Tom. But... They Ishgard needs something in return, and what they have noticed is that um, via their astrologians, they notice the Dragon Star is going fucking nuts, um, and they believe that uh, Midgard Sarmer, the keeper of the lake in uh, near near the Rising Stones in Mordana, who is we will learn stirring. Is a, yes, we'll learn he's a giant dead dragon, which is very and, cool, and that is important. If you remember, they uh, the Ishgardians are at war with dragon kind, so they're like, give it, give us intel on our enemies, and we'll keep giving you supplies. I, and like for some reason here, Emmerich, like he has this information, but he doesn't think that he, if he runs it through the chain of command in Ishgard, like there'll be a he reaction. Is the chain of command. I swear, there's something in here where he's like he needs us to do it because like he can't get well, it done our, fast enough. It's in our territory. Internally. Oh right, okay, that it's, too. It's in Revenant's Toll. Like it's uh, at the keep the lake is yeah, Silver Tier Lake is right next to where we are. Like he can't, they can't do anything. Uh, so we keep watch on that. While we're headed back in the next quest, there's a caravan of supplies headed to Revenant's Toll, but the, it was attacked, um, and it was attacked in such a way that was like super obvious that the trader, aka the Ivy, was like tipped into it. Someone, yeah, tipped into it. Um, we wolf. learn about mm-hmm. um, a little bit more backstory about what was happening here and why the heretics are doing what they're doing. We see, we chase after who we think is doing this, and we learn a couple of things. We learn about the Enchiridion which is kind of the Bible equivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also learned that Shiva was a uh, is the patron saint of the heretics. And anyone who is familiar with the Final Fantasy franchise is like, oh, yes, because <laughs> Shiva is a recurring figure, iconic recurring figure. And we see, uh, we also, after chasing the heretics, we see Iceheart again. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Iceheart is the one running the heretics as a refresher. Yeah, and 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 like there's a bunch of quests here. We do a bunch of stuff. We chase the heretics all around Curthus. We do some investigations. Uh, an observation I made is that I realized as I was doing all this stuff for the Ish Guardians who were at war with Dragonkind, I was I was riding a big dragon mount. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be too. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're a little unsettled by this. Read the room. By my guy <laughs> just flying in on a big emerald dragon. <laughs> holy shit now it's cool no it's not uh anyway um we uh, we, fi- we, tra- we track him down we find we tra- lady iceheart we confront her and she says that you know that she's doing all of this for the greater good to end war and to bring peace to everything and also that she also has the power of Hydaelyn, which yeah she strongly hints it she's like oh by the way i don't know if you know this but here feel thing that's why it? she does that. <laughs> Do you get it? 
And she teleports away. <laughs> mm-hmm. And th- which kicks off a whole another sort of like quest line about figuring out how to like follow her teleportation. Yes. So she's all like great or good kind of deal. Um, but she's a little bit more apocalyptic. She's similar to Ishtola, right? In that she's like, why is all this war happening? Oh, this is this is not the path for us. Um, but is also actively contributing to the war. So mm, mm-hmm. a little bit different, unlike Ishtola. But uh, the next quest, Minfilius shows up to help us, like, because uh, they detected some, because they're, we, she's whatever, she just wants to. She shows up dressed really practically um, for once in her goddamn life. Which makes it all the funnier <laughs> that Alphano complains constantly about not being dressed for the weather. <laughs> like, we, we learn about Shiva, and Minfilia is like, uh-oh, like, maybe <laughs> well, also at this point it's clear like shiva was not a primal shiva is just a person so at this point Shiva's it really does seem primal, like but they have huh. access to a whole bunch of crystals it seems like all you need is like a bunch of crystals and a shitload of faith and you can kind of summon whatever you want yeah that seems problematic for the signs of the seventh dawn um and then we go right back into tendrils of intrigue uh we're learning that uh, more about the ivy uh, so we make all these really good progress on on the heretic front and we have to go do another subplot entirely Re- we deduce that ivy is in Rabon's innermost circle given her act uh, oops given <laughs> given their actions oh i spoiled the gender of it doesn't matter there's a Talk in the Lotus Stand. The War of Succession is over, actually, in Garlemald. All, all uh, this stuff is theoretically interesting, but delivered in like the driest way possible. This should be you, my Kane shit. Senna, yeah, yeah. Kane Senna just says the War of Succession is now over, and Emperor Varus now has claim to the throne over his uncle because of his horrific genocides and war deeds that gave him lots of respect to the awful Garli. And you're like. I, the things they're saying are so bad. This <laughs> comes up a few times, like this Garlean, like, you know, politics stuff. And every time it comes up, I think I note in here that I just, it's very confusing. It's not being dramatized. Just, We're just, just being. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that would have been drawn out a little bit longer. It's weird. It's like, oh, I guess that just all happened off screen. Okay. The point being that, like, the new guy in charge of the Garlean Empire really wants Eorzea, so we really mm-hmm. need Ishgard, and so we've got to plug that leak. Yeah, he, uh, he spits on his dad's grave because his dad was like, no, you can't be successor. Because he didn't like him. He thought he was weak or whatever. I don't know. We never... We, I don't think... I don't want to say never, but in this instance, we don't learn his dad's name. It's pointedly pointed, pointed out that the dad is kind of skipped over. I didn't even pick that up, but yeah. okay. Um, and but, also, there, while all this sensitive information about the war is being talked about, there's an Elizan woman randomly there who has like, never been there before. And it's like, oh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> Wait, who is it? I didn't notice. She's right there. Oh. The Ivy is right there. Oh, 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 <laughs> it's oh. not subtle. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> they've really well, they've really switched piv- they've really pivoted from being like having all these uh Chekhov's guns that don't fire into just like a full Chekhov's arsenal of very obvious pointer things. <laughs> because they're like, people aren't gonna pick up on it anyway. <laughs> which, which then immediately fires off because I like it's immediately after we get this info dump that we then just find out chase who the Ivy is. Yeah, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. we chase off after her. She's like, Well, uh <laughs> It's Robon's second in command. Yeah. Royale? <laughs> they pronounce her name like <laughs> R-O-A-I-L-L-E. <laughs> Thank God this character gets written out. So stupid. I, I, I don't like this subplot. We, I think they, yeah, anyway, wh- whatever, we're going to continue we, telling it uh, quickly. Uh, we yeah. tail her. She meets a girly in contact. We fight them. We arrest her. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, that was easy. Cool. Back we to the ice her. heart problem. Uh, kind of. 
actually there's another thread that happens up <laughs> i oh god you know no i do got to bring this up there's a we t- the reason we were able to tailor her so well is because we have the dome and refugees in our employee and one of them approaches you under the guise of selling you erectile dysfunction pills <laughs> right <laughs> it's the funniest thing <laughs> that ha- that like uh, that was probably the most redeeming thing about this whole subplot about catching the ivy is just like there's the Doman merchant who's like, "Hey, you want to be hard? Psh, I got information about the ivy." <laughs> one good one good joke. Okay, I'll give him one good joke. <laughs> so, um we are now brought to the quest a simple plan. And we now, because we're trying to track Lady Iceheart, have brought in uh, Monbrita. We have brought in Monbrita. She is a scholar from Charlene. So the reason we're bringing her in is because, as I mentioned before, Lady Iceheart teleported away, but we don't know where she teleported to. And Moonbrita is apparently an expert in etherite technology. Teleporting, basically. And She's she, a teleport wizard. She also has history with like at least half of the scions. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like they're doing a lot of work here very quickly to try and establish that, yeah. like, you know, that she she's sort of like a good old friend of theirs who's just been Ida, there off screen the entire time. Ida try to Ida calls her kind of jokingly her twin sister, and Papalimo's like oh, in every way except size and appearance. And it's like, yeah, Papalimo, we have eyes. We we all figured out what she was talking about. Could you maybe not just be so literal? Jesus Christ. Let her have this. Let I, her have her sister. I, I also straight up thought that like she and Ariange were like former lovers, but it looks like they just more they were, were just like current lovers. Uh, okay. Yes. And also <laughs> like childhood friends who I'm sure made a promise to each other when they were young or something like that. No, they just, they just do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. She, Moonbrita totally glomps Ariange. She's a glomper. Remember glomping? I would rather not. <laughs> PSA, stop the glomping. She, she has a plan to find Iceheart. This plan involves fleshing out more of sort of the etheric metaphysics of this game. There are big old currents. You can kind of like brute force ride the etheric currents, even if you don't have a crystal. Yeah, There's a whole they, bunch of- they traced the they traced the current and they found there was no crystal there. And the moon is like, well, that means they just broke it. Duh. <laughs> Everyone else, everyone's like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that was possible. Um, but the ethereal sea has a ethereal currents. Easy. Great. Uh, there's a just, whole PowerPoint show about it. Just ride them like a riv- like she ride them brought, like a raft on the rapids. She also brings the latest in um, crystal crystalline technology in the form of white orosite, like a huge superchargeable battery at the cost of very little retention. It looks like a white rock, but it holds a lot of aura. Uh-huh. It holds a lot of ether. This is another example where she's like, "Now I have to tell you, this is really super dangerous. It could go really wrong." And then, like, she, like literally next quest, she's like, "Okay, and we're gonna go do it." And you do it, and she just zaps you there, and it's yeah. like, "Great, nothing went wrong." Nothing went wrong this time. <laughs> uh, instruments of our deliverance is the quest wherein we kill Shiva. Great fight. Great fight. Great, Great line. Fight. Um, we who gods and men have forsaken will be instruments of our own deliverance. Fuck yes. Right so on. Good. No I gods, start- no masters. You, she's like, yeah, you idiot. Don't you know what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> you're all being lied to. <laughs> but more poetically, um, hey, by the way, I know you're about to go. Uh, you're looking at the Keeper of the Lake. Yeah, you should totally go check out the Keeper of the Lake and see what's going on. Um, and we also meet uh, after we deal with, um, I think in the amphitheater, after we deal with Ice Art, we meet up. We, we meet Nabriales, who's got those um, sick mutton chops. So anyway, at this but point, like, like, you know, we, we found Lady Iceheart. She turned into Shiva. We beat her. She's on the run. The heretics have been disrupted. The crystal shipments are like, you know, rerouted everything. Yeah. Great. And, and Iceheart plot. And in the background doing nothing. I, I, Iceheart plot for the time being. 
dealt with. Dealt with for the time being. Uh, so on the road less traveled, I have this note here and I can't remember what it's about, but it says, stop gaslighting me, Moonbrita. <laughs> I don't know what that can reference. But, oh, yeah. But it's because like we said something was up. Like we said that there was a... Uh, that there was a primal there. Like, that was a primal. And she's like, no, it's not. You're crazy. Did you not hit your head? You must be crazy. <laughs> so uh, she's, like, gaslighting you. Like, no, listen to me. I have a note asking if Harshafon has a crush on us. Because increasingly, he seems, like, really, like... I don't know. He's just being our bro. He's just doing what bros do. Because Harshafon's our bro. The way he acts, where he's like, how on earth could you run into situations like that dangerous without how even telling you, me? How could you do that to me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> And then finally, we learn uh, the taciturn temple's night name, uh, Lucia. A whole bunch of questions get answered, asked here. Not, nothing gets answered. There's a bunch of concerns about like, well, Iceheart used her own body as a vessel yeah, yeah, for yeah, a primal yeah. energy, they, and she retained her will. How did she do this? They argue for a while, and Thanker's just like, shut up, everyone, about semantics. We think about what this means on the greater picture. Mm-hmm. You can just summon primals from... You don't have to... <laughs> There, there's an infinite amount of primals out there. And Alpha, and Alpha knows even more concerned because he's like, oh no, now there's even more reason for the Garleans to be really scared of us and therefore want to come in and crush us into paste. Yes. Uh, Minfilia, I have a note here that says best thing Minfilia has done was actually take Iceheart seriously. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of dismissing her as some sort of like demi primal or whatever. And she's like, well, no, this is a real problem. Um, so perfect timing for us to go back to Ulda, am I right? Oh, yeah, because it turns out that Royale escaped because... Um, Why not? Th- no, this is great. She escapes because they kept her arrest as a traitor a secret, meaning that she was able to just walk out of the camp and no one thought to detain her. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Like, um, so we do a little duty fight to get a little bit more drama. I don't know. Why didn't we just... like This didn't need to happen. Honestly, this duty fight could have just happened prior, but whatever. Whatever. We, we fight Aline the Razor, not the Ivy. They called her Aline the Razor in the in the instance and not the Ivy. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway, that's the last we see of her. I'm just going to say that yep. <laughs> right now. <laughs> that, that plot wraps up. That plot wraps up and doesn't come back. Um, Great. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Ilberg gives us one. He's like, oh, he gives us this really funny speech. Um, Really funny. He says it uh, about, about um, being, you know, true to your word and about it's all about, you know, being honorable and he says if life has taught me one thing it's that you never betray your own i would sooner cut off my own arm than raise a hand against a friend wow man this ilbert guy sure seems like a stand-up i'm <laughs> glad he's in our corner he seems like a staunch ally definitely extremely staunch <laughs> alfano says well i sure hope we chose our allies better than Roban did Man, it's I'm like, okay. <laughs> we're in a really confident position right now. I feel good about <laughs> Extremely this. Extremely confident. We have great allies. I love our allies. Um, there's a small cut scene that also demonstrates that the blast, the blast blade, the blast, the brass blades, brass fish, bass, brass blading, bash, bash. Do that one again. I will not. <laughs> the brass blades are in the palm of his hands. <laughs> um, and at this point, um. We have um, kind of resolved that. And at the end of 2.4, we have another meeting about the thing we were talking about before the Huayu shit happened. Where we have the, the we, we, we talk about more about like how we're going to actually destroy the Asians, right? Um, we have to sort of excise their soul while it's out of a corporeal form and trapped within this prison. But we need this prison of Aura site, right? Um, 
But we need to replicate this, the blade of ether. Uh, and right. Heidelin's not here to give it to us this time because she has been missing since uh, 2.0. So the plan is to like get an Asian soul, suck it into the white rock, and then nuke it in order to destroy the soul, basically. And Uriange is just like, I'll continue my studies at the Waking Sands or no one will bother me. And Moonbrita is like, oh, so you're all alone there? And he's like, I don't know. Perhaps, mayhap, I will show up and knock on your door. Uriange is just being a total prude. Just do her. It's fine. Look, he's a fucking scholar. He hasn't gotten any ever. Also, the Isle of Val is gone still. Oh, yeah. Isle of Val still gone. Still gone. No updates there. No updates. Wait, hold on one sec here. Um, okay. There are a few scenes we get at the end here. We get some more stuff about Guardian politics. It's oh, very yeah. difficult to follow. Okay. That's, um, yeah. Also, Ivy was a triple agent selling secrets to the syndicate. Yes. So it, the, the um, Ilbert name drops Solus Zos Galvis, one of the world scene to Ash. Right, he, dro- he drops that person who is um, now Emperor Varus's grandfather. Oh, 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 yes, no, sorry, it's not 2.5 yet because we get one of the most important scenes. One of the most important scenes where Raban is like, the traitors are evil and I will get you all. And, we're- and he has a real good, um, has a real good scream. <laughs> yeah, he's got a very good scream. He's, he's had it with these monetarists. His monetarists are just like, you don't care about Uldar, anyone. And we're going to go to Washington. And we're going <laughs> to... We're gonna take it, and then it's a Howard Dean joke. <laughs> you get it? Because he kind of he kind of Howard Dean's it up here. It's a little much. It's a little over the top. But then we get the scene with Connie, Cena, and um, and the Namo talking about basic. Are you okay? Oh, you can't see me. It's Connie Cena. Do 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 do. do. Go on. We get a scene with Connie Cena and Anamo talking about sort of, you know, the really the fact that like Ulda just everything seems kind of screwed up there. Nanamo doesn't seem to have the power to actually influence anything. And this whole time I'm like in the back of my head, like, I mean, there's an obvious answer to this. There's mm-hmm. an obvious answer to all this. And then she does it. She says it. She's going to, she's going to, I would never actually expect, but she is going to abdicate the throne and mm-hmm. try and turn um, Ulda into a democratic republic, which is not a move I expected this game to make or this character to make and is pretty fantastic. And I'm feeling good about this. I think she's great. I think it's going to go off without a hitch. I think we're going to, you know, transition this thing out of the current power structure into a democracy Mm. with, you know, no, no real hiccups along the way. Absolutely none. Skipping forward to the quest, best laid schemes. We're we're tracking down some illegal weapons here. It's like, and we go with Ilbert to um, Eastern Thanalan into the kind of really pretty zone, the burning burning wall. And um, just so happens that by the time we get there, like, Ilbert chases off without us, right? But just by the time we get there, um, oh no, the merchant's dead. God, oh yeah. Oh mm-hmm. God, no, my, uh, my, my associate killed him with the dagger and then the associate ran off and I just couldn't catch him or anything. I mean, Ilbert's story seems straight to me. Like, I mean, it, it makes sense that he accidentally, this guy got killed while Ilbert was standing there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, okay. It's, it's terrible how that happens. Um, that does uh, not happen. So we have to go to, the, we're now getting uh, more intel from, you guessed it, Ishgard. Whiplash. Yep. Back to Ishgard. <laughs> I, God, God the, it, it's just nonstop. It's like every two quests, the focus shifts again. The, <laughs> Ishgard. Back to Ishgard. The Dragon Star is burning with an intensity. Midgard Sommer uh, might be returning. Okay, no, here's the thing. Okay, we need to inspect the corpse, but at this point, 
official approval from the Temple Knights would take too long, so it falls to me because like th- because we don't require like we don't have to yeah. go through the, the official channels. Right. So um, and we, you, we, we go get, to the Keeper of the Lake Dungeon. We row our little rowboat there. We get some context here for the fact that like Midgar, Samar, and mm. uh, Gaius fought basically to a standstill, and like Midgar, Samar got taken down, but also the giant mega airship got taken down, yes. and yeah. so this ruin is like you know the corpse of the dragon and the corpse of the airship all wrapped around each other it's very cool yeah that's been looming over us this whole time so we finally get to go in um you mentioned you had some sort of so we do do this dungeon and there's a really really important cut scene right after the end of it wherein we do actually meet up with midgard Sormer, sort of we meet up with his spirit because he's a really powerful being i guess similar i guess similar to like the Asians when you think about it i guess his soul is so powerful that like it's separate from his body and um he's like hello wait a second <laughs> you must be you, you bested you bested me i guess or my dragons in combat here i'll give you a moment t- to talk about what's going on here um he's pretty he tries to and mm-hmm. he tries to kind of get at us but our blessing of light protects us and he's like oh heidelin huh i have kind of a deal with her actually with regards to this whole blessing of light thing and i'm gonna uh, now make my end of the deal uh i'm gonna make my end of the deal happen and he kind of shatters your blessing of light you're like what well how is that part of your (laughs) deal and we get laser stabbed we get laser stabbed we get laser stabbed and then he and then we lose we lose the blessing blessing of of light light. yep but we gain midgar summer as a little purple dragon who follows follows us around around. he's um he's gonna watch over us to see to kind of judge our character so, so some kind of bargain has been struck here mm-hmm. some kind of bargain i think between midgar somewhere and heidelin yeah I, I, at this point like okay i am now starting to pick up on the fact that like yeah heidelin is like on our side the science of the seventh dawn mm-hmm. she also is on lady iceheart's side apparently she also has dealings with midgar somewhere i'm like okay this heidelin's got her fingers in a lot of pies yeah like <laughs> it's not entirely like busy lady <laughs> It's not entirely clear that, like, that if the dragons did want to, like, you know, get revenge on the Ishgardians or whatever, like, would Heidelin be on their side? Like, what sort of causes does she support? I, I suspect at this point this like, g- there's going to be more of this later. D- does God have an agenda? <laughs> does this God actually have kind of a... I, I mean, we thought she had our agenda, but it, maybe not. Maybe actually, like, there's way more complicated than her just being like, yes, the signs of the seventh dawn. You are the good chosen heroes. Go do good things. Mm-hmm. We get back and there's more PowerPoint shit. Uh-huh. They do another. Dem- they do another demonstration of how they're gonna blow up an Asian soul. They- I'm over this now. Yeah, like I thought, the first one was cool. At this point, I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Okay, Skip. we got it. Ether light, on light demand sword. is the next quest. Mm-hmm. Alphano barges in. And he's like, Hey, shut up! It's Garlius. <laughs> turn that PowerPoint off. So we go to uh, Northern Thanaland to deal with the kind of amassing Garlian force as a result of the war succession being over. And um, we also well, go, to, and Moonbreed is like, oh, hell yeah, there's a whole lot of corrupted ether up there. I'm coming with you. So she goes and helps us with that. And then we go up to um, some of the corrupted crystals and she gets a reading about the stuff dealing with the Orosite. And at that point is when we meet, when we see Nabrialis again. Nabrialis. And he's like, hello. I'll see your, that's very cute. You've got some plan going on there. And Moonbreed is like, shut up! And tries to hit him with an axe, and he just like deflects it with his pinky. <laughs> and she's like, oh shit! Um, like I don't know what. Uh, and it also ma- she also makes it clear that she doesn't understand his words, uh, but we do. So there's some sort of language barrier. He does tell her to smile more, which was very, very funny sexist. and very fucked up. <laughs> very, what a sexist pig! Um, 
But he also takes a look at our kind of soul or whatever. He could see something's up with us. He's like, wait. Your blessing of light is gone, isn't it? Your blessing of light is gone. The blessing of light is gone. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely jazzed about it. He's and he's going to follow the yellow brick road. All the way it, to uh, the Rising Stones. Now it means that he can rob us because we don't have the protection of the Blessing of Light anymore. He's going to rob the heck out of us. And so we chase him because Moonbrita deduces that, oh, shit, he wants to Samadhi. And Moonfilly's like, no, and she holds it between her titties. So he's like, I can't get it. This, they're, they're just too stuck in there. And then he's like, well, f- fuck it. If you're not going to give it to me, I'm just going to take you with me. <laughs> he absconds with Minfilia. Into Sucks her into portal. the dark realm. Into the chrysalis. Which is not the same as the dark void from the crystal tower. Lots of dark voids. No, that's a very different, it's a different purple place. Um, and then we go rescue her. That fight is pretty uneventful. It's fine. Uh, and once we get back, Nabrialis, his body kind of falls over and his soul is like, ha, ha, ha. well, I'll be back because your blessing of light is gone and nobody's going to stop me. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then Minfilia, I think Minfilia throws the... Yeah, Minfilia throws the giant white crystal and sucks his body into yeah, the white Minfilia rock. Yeah, Minfilia throws it in. And she's like, kill him somehow! And <laughs> the, whole, somebody. the whole time's going, no, 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 no you cannot, you no! Yeah, it's very dramatic. Uh, there's a there's a good t- DBZ moment where you have Tupsamadi... Uh, putting a stream of energy against the yeah we, we grab we grab the staff we're like firing the staff energy into him we're not we're not strong enough to do it we don't have enough to channel and Munbrita, who is a little bit weakened from the fight um kind of has a moment of clarity and crosses the streams so to speak mm-hmm. except one of the streams his her whole body and she gets sucked into she gets sucked into tube samadhi and fired at the Asian, which then De- destroys her essence but also destroys the uh, Nabrialis's. so she sacrificed herself to save us she did sacrifice herself to save us uh after that everyone kind of rushes in and being like we heard all this commotion what's happened where's Monbrita? Right? where's Monbrita? and we gotta tell him we gotta tell him we gotta tell him so there's a, a lot of um they're very sad about it because they they <sighs> They're sad about it. They're sadder about it than I was when yes. I first played through. I think the second time it was a little bit more sad, just kind of knowing that she was going to die and really being able to pay attention to everyone's kind of cues and stuff. It, it, it's a good end. The back half of her story, I think, works pretty well. The problem is that they introduced her like, you know, she's so, yeah, she just like she, she comes in and she leaves. I would imagine if I were playing this currently, I would have been really mad. I mean, like, they gave us this cool character that we like. You just killed her off right away. Like, there's all these other shitty characters you could have killed off. <laughs> They're like, well, but the, um, it kind of raises the stakes. I don't know. Oriange takes it pretty well, all things considered. He's just like, he, are you sure? Uh, I mean, he grieves, I guess. He grieves, but like, he, he, he seems to take it kind of in stride. I don't know about in stride, but he's like, what do you mean in stride? I guess like he doesn't like collapse to his knees. He doesn't just dist- want to destroy the world because the woman he loved died. No. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. But he, like, he's, he's still obviously very upset about it. <laughs> um. Cause like he loved it, and he probably I th- I think at some point he regretted sort of his standoffish nature towards her in public. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I certainly would have. Fucking idiot. Um, but tell people, tell the people you love that you love them. You never know when they're gonna die. You know. 
That's a very sweet sentiment that you just <laughs> punctuated with. Okay. Anyway, he gives us some more of his backstory. It's very sweet. And then we celebrate her passing as his custom, which is gathering in front of the monument at Wrath of Frost, mm-hmm. which is sacred to the de- deity of learning. We pay our respects. It's very sweet. It's very quiet. Yeah. And Philly gives a short speech. Midgar Summer shows up and is like, life for death, a fair exchange. Other bargains will be struck. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> it's not wrong. That's the end of 2.5. Um, 2.4. No, that's, right, 2.5, that's 2.5. Right? Oh my God. Oh, don't right. get, don't startle Sorry. me like that. That's 2.5. 2.55 starts with the quest Mask of Grief. Ija has a touching moment. They're not, they're, they're still a little shaken up about Moonbrita. Whatever. So we um, help Ida get a flower to put on Mabrita's like and then in we that see, monument. And then there's dragons that fly over Mordana. And we're like, uh-oh, because they're headed towards Kurthus, which dragons is Dragons to Kurthus. So um, the dragons have struck and made an attack on Ishgard. They, uh, and Izel, uh, whose who name we did learn. We learned her given name was Izel a while ago. Uh, undoes a magical barrier that I guess was there. Wasn't really... It wasn't really, and it wasn't really told. We weren't really told that it was there, but now we're shown that it was, and that there was a couple more that she's just got to get through before the town is exposed to and dragons. So Lucia, it, so, yes, yeah, it does kind of explain why the town wasn't just already demolished by fucking dragons at this point. Yeah, no, I, I, I need to understand how did the Ashgardians piss off the dragons this much? It's just a fight yeah. over territory. Just go out. live somewhere without the dragons. The dragons are kind of, they can fly. <laughs> they, they can fly, but what? I'll find you. I, there is still some missing backstory here, which yeah. I think I think we're going to get because oh my god, the dragon, the dragons fucking hate the Ishgardians. I do not know why. <laughs> we go um, to we go. To, we're we're supposed to meet up with Lucia and Emmerich at uh, Camp Dragonhead, and Alphino and I and we get there. We get there a little early because we go with Alphino, and he's like, "Why don't we go see? We go see what's up at the gate." And so we do that, and then Lucia shows up late, after a bit, and she's like, "Hey, assholes! <laughs> You're supposed to meet us at camp." As per our text messages. So fucking do that shit. So we go back to camp. Uh, and we meet. Come on. Give his name a shot. Estinian. You did it. <laughs> that was pretty easy. Uh, I don't know. See, I hesitated because I almost said Eisenstein. I, Eisenstein. Eisenstein is really easy. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that with us. It is Estinian. Estinian. I had, it took me a sec. Alphano continues to be a bad negotiator here. Mm-hmm. Like, he makes a good point that, you know, the Ishgardians didn't help during the Garlean War, refused to help during the primal stuff. Why should we help now? And, like, and uh, Emmerich has, is, like, he's like, look, we're facing destruction here. Unless you want the Garleans to come in and occupy the yeah. ruins of our holdings, we need you to help. Which is true, but also, this is not the, this is not the negotiating position you want to be in. You don't... <laughs> Alphano is bad at this, I guess. Yeah, Alphano tries to be a little snide, and he's like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> he's not. He's got Alphano's got a lot to learn. Won't that be nice that the Garleans are here at your doorstep, at another do- of your doorsteps?" By also, the way, also, Estinian seems to recognize that this is the power of Nidhogg. <laughs> well, we're all say- we're saying it that way now from now on. <laughs> Volunt- great- so uh, the uh, in the following quest. We are talking to some Ishgardian dorks or whatever. Uh, no, we're talk- We're back in Mordana looking for volunteers to help with mm-hmm. um, the dragon problem. And Riel's like, we talked to him and he's like, hey, also, by the way, someone has been stealing our shit and is cooking our books and Willard is gone. Isn't that weird? Anyway, uh, go have fun with the dragons. Yeah, it, it's, hmm. Well, could Wilred be the traitor? Was Wilred, I don't know, like, uh, like c- combining embezzlement? I mean, he's my suspect right now. Is he? Absolutely. I, I, th- I think the evidence points at him. I think it's the nun. 
<laughs> so we go to the free companies to try and recruit some mercenaries. Often is not a fan of this, which makes no sense. Mercenaries are very good at fighting because they could practice at it. Standing armies are bad at fighting because they don't fight very often. But whatever, Alphano is not very experienced in battle, as we're going to find out repeatedly over the course of the rest of this quest. It turns out that um, Alphano's lack of experience at actually commanding and organizing militaries is maybe a liability. Possibly. That takes us to the Steps of Faith. That takes us to the fight against the giant dragon marching very slowly across the bridge. Yes. Um so we do the steps of faith. Sorry to everyone else in this trial roulette. It's a it's a tedious encounter. It's a, you had wanted some monster hunter combat. Yeah, this, this very much is it. You you um you <laughs> run up to cannons and then you press the fire button repeatedly and the cannons repeatedly fire and uh-huh. you do this enough times and the and the giant dragon dies. And there's also a big dragon stunning button. There is a big dragon stunning button which which I fired off and I swear to God was going to hit. But you it somehow missed. Reason. It looked like it was going to hit, but you did a bad job, I guess. Bad job. After that, we get a cutscene wherein Estidian broods some. Um, we're going to see a whole... Spoilers. That's not the first time. <laughs> you see that armor? He's edgy as hell. <laughs> and I think we're done with Ishgard for the purposes of these quests. Yes. So we stave off the big uh, Ishgardian dragon evasion. Or invasion. What? Evasion. Invasion. And now the MSQ does an interesting thing where it splits off into two... Um, fragments one of which is to go talk to Tataru because Tataru is a little despondent and needs a little direction in her life it, uh, this, this is cute especially going into mm-hmm. what is about to happen next a little bit of a breather here I thought is, you didn't know what was about to happen next I'm saying in hindsight okay I'm saying in, wow you are so suspicious <laughs> in hindsight I'm suspicious and not anyone else in the MSQ <laughs> In hindsight, <laughs> knowing what comes next, having a little bit of a breather here in which you like get to like bond with Hitaru a bit. Yes. Uh, this is the part where she tries to learn arcanism, um, and she just gives up immediately. <laughs> yeah, no, doesn't seem good at it. Um, summons a little ghost pet, and then like when, the, when she tries to like fight some giant crabs or whatever, ghost pet immediately runs off on her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that had maybe she summoned it at too high a level and she didn't have enough gym badges because it definitely disobeyed. We then also do some. Um, the second half of this kind of two part split is where we go into Gridania and do a bunch of really boring scholar readings in some interesting places. But at the end of it, we find, we go into Earth's Fount and we find the body of Wilred. Then I guess he wasn't the traitor. Wilred's body? Oh no. Who could have done this? Do you think it was me? You think it was me, don't you? At this point, yes. Okay. I I didn't do it. The, the, they specifically say he was gutted like a hog, which is a very visceral I, detail to I include. I do gut people like hogs a lot, though. I will give you that. It does look like I did it, but I didn't do this one. Anyway, we report that we report Wilbur's death back to Minfilia. Mm-hmm. Um, but we immediately drop that thread to go back to the Alliance celebration. It's time for a really nice banquet. It's time for a really nice banquet. Um, so so we're celebrating, like, you know, driving the dragons off of Ishgard, which possibly means, like, you know, a new alliance with Karthus and Ishgard mm-hmm. and all of that. And the whole thing. And, like, so, like, everyone is gathering in Ulda for this big celebratory sort of like, oh, Eorzea is coming together again. This is an important diplomatic event type we deal. We are... Um before we go there, we are taken aside by our good friend Riel, who is super suspicious of everything. And he says, so I did some digging into our books. Turns out we were uh, 
we've been funded by this place called the Dodo Consortium, <laughs> which is part of the Mirage part Corporation. Of the Mirage Trust. And he's like, I don't know how much more intentionally fake you could have made your <laughs> names. Like, there's obviously something going on here. If we're getting our funds from Embezzlement LLC, <laughs> someone is pulling the strings. Someone must be pulling the strings. Um, we go to. Uh, we are then also given a missive to from um so the we go innkeeper to, yes. to meet rendezvous with Aliane, one of the uh nice ladies in the crystal braves but she's not there she's not there like we, not we wander right outside we look for her we check by a train platform she doesn't seem to be there we do find a strange vial on the ground which we you know pick up and just put in our inventory because it, hey why wouldn't you have a vial take that vial up and put, put it right up our ass yeah just carry the vial around uh, nothing bad will happen if you have that vial in hand definitely not um, then but we, uh, we're, we're so confer- we met with Laurentius, who yes, is, Laurentius. if you remember the guy who kind of sold some, uh, twin adder shit to the Garlands before. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to be a good guy now. And he's looking off in the distance and then he furrows his brow and then oh, he puts that his guy. hand to his ear. Yeah. I did not, one. I did not make the connection to that guy. Uh, who would have thought he's up to something? What? No. Who would have thought it would have been a bad idea to put him, but whatever. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm, it's probably pirates. At this point, we, we go back to the banquet and uh, Nanama wants to have a private audience with us. Yes. And so we go into that. And at this point, the game gives me a warning and saying, hey, you're about to watch a fuck ton of cutscenes. Here we go. We're going to watch the first movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Strap in. Okay. So I, I'm going to kind of move through my notes here because we got a bunch of interesting scenes. We've got like, we, we, cut, we have the scene of the banquet happening with all the leaders actually in the main hall. And I got to say, because I started in Ulda, the contrast between the first time it tried to show me a banquet, which was like two NPCs sitting in an empty table. And now when it's got like a good three dozen people in there and there's all this delicious food on the table. Yeah. Okay. I can tell that their budget has gone up a bit. In a terms little of- bit. Yeah. It's, I didn't, I didn't make that because I, I did start an old dog, but I didn't mm-hmm. really make that contrast. Emmerich does have a nice speech. Um, and all the other leaders of the, he's like, Oh, thank you for all this help. And the other leaders of the Arizona Alliance are like, yes, we helped. Yes, we definitely did things. We definitely contributed to this and didn't just be like, eh, send some mercenaries in. But so Nanama pulls me aside for her private audience and yes. she talks to us and she says, you know, hey, that she intends to abdicate the throne and dissolve the monarchy. It's right. going to be a fair and equitable Bef- republic. But before that, um, in that cutscene, I want to point out some cinema- cinematographic choices here. The The first thing we see is kind of an overhead shot of the lady in waiting pouring a glass of wine very loudly into a goblet. We then are uh, shown a a view of ourselves with the goblet on the left of the table. (laughs) And then um, (laughs) while Nanamo is talking and then it pans over to Nanamo and the goblet is even bigger (laughs) the size of her head. I was like, wow, they did not make this subtle. (laughs) No. So here's the thing. I didn't pick. You didn't pick up on any of it. We watched this together and I was like, Alex hasn't made a single mention of this. He is going to like, but I'm just like, wow, they've really learned that you don't have to be subtle. (laughs) Because here's what happened. She delivers, she talks to me about it. And she's like, look, it's going to tear the foundations of the city up. It's going to, um, she wants us to lend Raban a hand because, you know, I'm respectable on the warrior of light, etc. And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, you know, this is like, complicated, but I can see this being a plot the game is going to do. And then she reaches for the goblet. And yeah, as soon as she, as soon as she grabs it, 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 like she grabs it, it goes like a noise. It's like a, a really nice, really loud kind of tink. And then she's just like, 
as soon as her hand picks it up, I get the premonition. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is what we're doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then she takes the drink and the then cup. she chokes and she coughs and she falls over dead. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. I like Nanamo. Yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> well, you're killing off everyone. It turns That's out cool. it's a coup. Uh, it turns out, guys, um, when you try and extend the franchise to the entire population, the petite bourgeoisie has problems with that. Mm-hmm. Small business owners, not a huge fan of voting rights. Whoa, hot takes. We got... <laughs> I wouldn't call these small business owners. Okay, fine. Big business owners. <laughs> Fairly fair, large business owners uh, do have uh, some problems with uh, voting rights and the like. So, Teleji marches in. He accuses us Conveniently. Of, he's like, he just knows exactly when it's going to happen, right? And he's like, oh, what is that vial you have there? It appears to have poison in it. Well, he doesn't know about that yet because it's up our ass. Oh. But he does, um, he does, he's like, well, you are the only person in here. And you didn't have any of the wine, and you knew not to have any of the wine. This was an assassination. I'm Teleji, Adeleji, and this is how I talk. Oh, my heavens me. Arrest that man. I did briefly possibly think he was being played for a fool here, and someone else set this up, and like, and he really thought that we did it, but no, it did, of course, fucking. Yeah, so they, bring, they arrest us, th- throw us in the bank, and says, everyone, we must... I have some uh, 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 terrible news. There's a surprise attack on Ishgard, and our Ishgardian dignitaries best leave the premises to go deal with the situation at hand. And Emmerich is like, uh, something bad is happening here. I don't need like, this right now. They're we like, are going to peace out. Lucia's like, I don't, I don't think there's any actually, but we should probably go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the Ishgardians uh, peace out so that that way, you know, Teleji and the Crystal Braves, which he now can... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, um, Ilbert is really just well, blatantly yeah, the traitor at this point. Just, it's, not, it's, not, it's not made apparent to us yet. He says... Uh, Rabban's like, what? You can't. You can't just send people out without the Empress, without the Empress's Sultana. That's her name for the Sultana's consent. And he's like, oh, I very well can. And let it be known... That I wasn't in here cavorting with the Ishgardians and foreign dignitaries when an assassin took the life of the Sultana. And he's like, what? Assassin! Let's have a moment, assassin! I want to say something here. I, I do appreciate this. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that, like, Teleji's plan is really bad. It's like, so no bad. one is going to buy this. But also, like... It doesn't matter, right? Like, it doesn't matter that everyone involved can very transparently see that we are being set up and he orchestrated this whole thing. The point is that now he has the power and now he has the official story, right? This couldn't possibly have any analogous world events. And the fact that his actual story for what happened is very stupid does not really matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a good plan to get in power. You just need to already have the power and the money and then, like, I don't know, just... You've, you've, we all lived it, so I don't have to go on too much about this. Um, right, so this is when Ilbert grabs us and throws us to the ground and accuses us of having the vial of poison. Right, and they search our ass and they're like, look what we found in this warrior of light's anal cavity. It's a vial. What a pervert. But also this vial had trace amounts of poison in it. But it was closed and it was up his ass. That's how he didn't get poisoned. I don't remember mind doing that bit. That might have been another one of those cutscenes that was customized maybe for that's you. A, maybe that's a Viera only thing. Anyway, so I do want to say one small thing here, and I'm going to say it now because it's not going to be relevant in about 30 seconds, Uh but one small thing I do appreciate about 
there's a, a weird bit of telege of characterization of Telegia you do kind of get crammed in here, which is that as he's like going off about all of this, he's getting a bit more unhinged and kind mm -hmm. of like freaked out and upset. And it comes across that like, oh, oh, the thing that really sets him off about us, the reason why he hates us is because like he's been trying to claw his way towards like power mm -hmm. his entire life. And then we in the science of the seventh dawn, even the crystal braves kind of came in and got cozy with Raban and the Sultana and the entire existing power structure yeah. really quick. And it, it drives him nuts. He's like, what's so special about you? Why are you so great? Like, fuck you. And yeah, just um, that reveal of his insecurity was yeah, really good. Absolutely. Yeah. What's so apart from constantly saving the realm. <laughs> but but like, that doesn't matter because we don't have yeah. status and prestige and money. Well, they have money, but not uh yeah not good money right now so uh yeah the uh then he's like he he becomes more unhinged and he says oh it's so terrible that something happened to the sultana oh but i can't say i'm not glad she's not dead Ooh, the thought of it kind of makes me excited a little bit now she's not in the way the monitors can make a few more impactful decisions and he's like you could make those impactful decisions from hell and at this point in the voice call you said you have a sword why don't you just stab him so he does <laughs> he slices him in half he cuts him in half cuts him in half the lighting turns red and then like it pauses right before him and he's like oh, oh no <laughs> i did not expect to let you to just get cut in half it's just absolutely incredible it. and lolorito's lolorito's over there like Ah, you can't just can't just draw blades. No less against a member of the syndicate. He says something else that tips him off, though, as a little bit as also being kind of in on it, right? Um, and he's like, "You're next, you piece of shit." He tries to go towards him verbatim. By the way, they said "piece of shit" in the game Final Fantasy fourteen. Definitely, uh, Rumble Born Patch two point five five, um, and he leans over, and suddenly there's a blue coat that blocks his way. And you hear, a, uh, you see a little stupid, ugly white ponytail. And you hear a slashing noise, and it just kind of cuts dramatically in an anime style. And then you see an arm. Yeah, Raban got his arm cut off. And you see an arm just kind of flail there. And then you see the camera pans or cuts over to somewhere else in the room entirely. And Raban is clutching where his arm used to be. <laughs> and at this point, Merlvib and Knessa also go, Oh, Holy we should shit. also get out of here. And they <laughs> oh, leave dear too. God. Bye. <laughs> this is not our problem at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be making things worse. Um, yeah, so Ilbert's like, hey, 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 uh, I'm, I'm the traitor all along. That's Yes, and then he and Raban, he taunts Raban, he and Raban like, have an epic fight. Ilbert's like, because you betrayed El Amigo by being a general of, of this other nation instead. And he's like, but... And everyone else is like, that doesn't, that's, that's not what that means. It's a little contradictory. Also, Ilbert both he just, claims. He just, he's just jealous. He took it personally. Yeah. Ilbert both claims that he's like a decorated, like, you know, veteran for another army, but also claims that doing so cut off his balls. They do say that. That is a quote. They do say it cut off his yeah, balls. Yeah. It cut off, he says it cut off your balls. But yeah. Um, no, he's just, a, he's just a big jealous baby hypocrite. Right. And he, like, he obviously knows he's going to chop off Raban's arm. <laughs> Because remember that quote I brought up earlier. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, not subtle. No, this okay. whole, There's a lot of foreshadowing in here. A lot of foreshadowing. They're getting their foreshadowing quota in right at the end. Um, okay, this game is finally starting to foreshadow things. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too hard. 
to be quite honest. But um, after that, um, yeah. So Raban buys his time by fighting Albert, and he's like, "You, y'all, get the fuck out." <laughs> um, so the Brass Blades and the Crystal Braves, um, who, by the way, are also have also taken Alphado kind of hostage mm-hmm. at, while this is happening, and we get um, we find Thancred, who's we find still being Thancred, a wise ass, who's like. Hey, I've been running for these fucking brass blades. There's a cutaway earlier where he was uh, ha- wooing someone, and the brass blades are like, "You're a traitor," and he's like, "What?" It's like you you blew up the pra- you blew up places, and they're like, and he's like, "That was an Asian." Oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, Again, I get it. Stupid plot. Stu- stupid plan doesn't matter. Stupid plan doesn't matter. Um, meet up, and then kind of two by two, the scions sort of fall off, mm-hmm. defending you from the crystal braves yeshola and thank well so Ida and papalino are fighting they're the first ones the first yeah, ones they stay go. behind let us escape and so they like it's then they then we run into a secret chamber in the sultana's room i guess it is tunnel of thancreds tunnel of thancreds um this <laughs> they do it they say a line about like well we're having we're gonna have better luck in this tunnel of thancreds than in going tunnel of thancreds than going into to uldan i'm like oh my god how many thancreds are in there <laughs> We get, to the, we get to the tunnel. It turns out there's only one Thancred. And I'm like, oh, what a, what a ripoff. There's supposed to be at least seven. Oh, that's false advertising. Um, the soldiers come in. They're like, well, I guess it wasn't that secret. Uh, Yashtola and... We do get to see Eden Papalimo fight them off. Ida gets to do a monk limit break because Papalimo like, hypes her the yeah. fuck up. Yashtola and, uh, and Thancred are also fighting them off in their own scene. Yashtola does something magical and powerful and obviously very desperate. And uh, when they're fighting them off, we're running away with we're with Minfilia, and Minfilia gets a streak of light, gets a call from Heidelin, kind of at the same time that Ustola's magic spell goes off, and she's like, "What now? Oh fuck! Fine, I'll go back." So she has to go back, and we're like, "What? Why? We didn't hear anything." And she's like, "Just I, it's God, you know, <laughs> like when God's but, calling you, you go." But we have to keep going because so we we're the going. warrior of light, and our flame must continue to burn. Yeah, basically. Uh, we then exit um, through this extremely obvious, not secret tunnel. <laughs> it's like yeah, giant the- ruins outside of Ulda. It's like, oh, this is the least secret. Like, this tunnel anyone could have two- anyone could have just walked in here and gone into the Sultana's room. <laughs> this, this, the entrance to the tunnel is like 40 feet high. It's, it's really huge. big. Um, we happened to chance upon Alfino, who somehow made his escape from the No, because he arrived. Didn't he arrive here with the guy in the cart? Yes, yeah, you're right. So we're we're there, and then he arrives with um, a, a Lalafell, right? Yes, he arrives with a Lalafell. I don't. I still don't fully don't, don't fully grok how he got out of the Crystal Braves sword. He's off now. He's, he's slippery. He's, All right, that's that's true. He's greasy. <laughs> he's gross. So <laughs> we chance upon him, um, and we chance upon. Brent. The cart running by, who for you is Brent, because you started in Uldad, but for me was Bremont, because I started in Gridania. Nice little, we kind of end, and we kind of end the expansion the same way we start with um, the t- one of the twins on the cart, but we're leaving the city, the the city alliance, city state alliance of Eorzea. With literal flaming torches with being waved flaming behind flaming torches us. waved behind us, and uh, the reveal that the there was a general... There was a lieutenant general. I can't remember his rank, but it's Pippin Tarupin, who is the adopted son of General Raban. Yes. So Raban somehow pulled some strings to get Alfino out of prison. I think. I think yeah. they put him in prison, and Pippin just like 
pulled some strings and got him out because he's like, what? Fuck that. That's stupid. Yes. Raban's adopted son is Lalafell, who is with us on the card. Like, if these people are going to flagrantly break protocol, I'm going to do it too. And they just, <laughs> and he just broke it out. I was like, oh, that's smart. I like you. You got gumption. I was like, get, he said, get on the cart. And my immediate reaction is, well, I'm a little racist against Lala Felon right now, but I have no other choice but to trust you. <laughs> we get on the cart. The cart gets us out of town. We meet up with Sid. Sid so gets us in the You Enterprise. are either going to die or betray me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Sid, Sid meets up with us. He uh, takes us out of town on his airship. We are brought to Kurthus because that is the only place we have any sort of ally and they won't suffer foreign intrusion. And they won't suffer foreign intrusion. And Pippin also makes a good point, which is like, look, fucking, you think this, sl- this smear job's going to work against a warrior of light? Everyone knows the warrior of light's a hero. <laughs> just this lay is, low for a bit. Gonna, <laughs> like, yeah. It's all going to blow over. Like, go go save Ishgard. It's sure will be fine. So we do, and then we are um, met up with our bro, Orshvant, who is more than happy to receive us. He uh, says, but like, there is a kind of a delay here right he says there's gonna be a delay because we're not gonna necessarily going to be able to just let you into ishgard without some form of protocol and we don't really find out how they solve that problem until heaven's word actually starts but we end the expansion with a somber very chilling kind of speech from alfino about who recognizes, who, who recognize, who's like in shock and kind of in um, kind of grieving kind of his whole process. And he's like in despair, almost like hmm. maybe oh trying God, to every, I fucked everything up. I fucked everything up. And <laughs> at this point, or maybe Chiffon, trying to lead a transnational military organization by myself was a bad idea. And maybe my assumption that I could avoid it being corrupted by the large amounts of money flowing into it from third parties was also wrong. Yeah. 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 Maybe this was a, a terrible idea. Like everyone said, um, yeah, and oh, but so the, Tataru is there. So, Tataru you know, is also... Oh, yeah, Tataru Oh, and Andigiri is there. Because she was kind of out of town finding her own shit. And she's like, what the fuck? Right? And uh, Yugiri helped Tataru escape because they were... I think they were in the Waking Sands together or something. There's some detail about them being together. Um, but yes, Yugiri helped Tataru. We were helped by Pippin. But Pippin kind of has to go back and deal with his um, nation national problem. And so, you know, we're going to resume our journey one step at a time. Credits one step roll. At a time. Credits roll. Cutscene. In the Palace of Ulda, we get the reveal that Nanamo's servant um, is speaking with Lolorito, and she was in on it the whole time, which I figured from the start. She was in on it, but think about the timing of it. She's telling Lolorito now that it was done. Oh, okay. So something else must have. Something happened, right? Okay. It's obviously not. Just as Thumb's assassination. Yeah, no, because he was there for that, right? Like he mm-hmm. knew he <laughs> he knew that was done. So, so she yeah. did something else. If you think the about the timing of it, you realize that there's more to the story than they're telling you at this time. <laughs> also, Raban is in prison. Also, we get an update with the Asians. Elizabeth and La Habrea are consulting. Um, La Habrea thinks that the dumbass who got killed brought it on himself. But it is still sort of concerning that it can be done because they think they're immortal and oh, now yeah. suddenly they're not. Yeah, yeah. Nabrialis was acting out of turn when he tried to bring about his own calamity. And then, and then, Elidibus uh, has put out a summon and Oriange shows up. He does. He um, does. He's called the Archon. Who? Well, they're all Archons. They're Charlian. Oh, okay. All the, the, the kind of important figures from Charlian or archons right they're kind of like professors or sort of like professors i guess but like yeah they're um that's just a title and he is 
possibly working with the Asians, or is at least the Asians have requested an audience with him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out here, like, who, who is can we he trust? a traitor? Who is he just trust? possessed like Thancred again? Yeah, like or we, is something else going we, on? There's just not a whole lot of people we can trust right now. Um, thankfully, I mean, our character doesn't know that, but like, I'm sure that'll just probably pirates. That brings us to the end of 2.55. Do you want to do the ad read? Uh, yes, we do. We got a great sponsor this week. Hell yeah. Okay, so I mean, I'm sure you have this problem because we all do at this point. Like, mm. you've exhausted all of the content on the streaming services that you have. I'm sure. Seen everything no, on actually, Netflix, seen everything on Hulu, seen everything on Disney Plus. You you need you need more streaming content, right? Um, no, no. I'm actually working through a, a lot of uh, uh, Dimension Twenty right now. There's like a whole like six seasons I have to get to go through. I really don't watch a lot too, though. To be fair, so like I'm, I I prefer watching things that aren't like actual TV shows. Okay, well, like. if you're a median American, you have exhausted all of the streaming content on your shows, and that's why you need a service like Tovo. I don't know where you're getting that claim from. Tovo is the only streaming service that rotates its entire catalog every six hours, meaning that you will constantly find new fresh things to watch every single day. Is that like short for something? Uh, It's just just like it's got TV in it, but it's got letters also because it's a good – because it's a startup name. Tovo.io. Tovo.io. Okay. So you are – say what happens if you are in the middle of a show? Uh, it cuts off immediately. Okay, cuts off immediately. And does it? Uh, does it all? What What about like your recommendations? Are they? Um, I mean, you have to move quickly. Like for example, after we finish recording here, I'm going to go home and watch Time Cop. Now, by the time our listeners get around to hearing this episode, <laughs> they got Time Cop. <laughs> That's a get. I guess it's not that expensive to get if it's for six hours. <laughs> well, I can't believe they got Time Cop. <laughs> what else have they got? <laughs> they won't in four and a half hours. Uh-huh. But I am looking at their advanced schedule here. By the time this episode drops, if our listeners were to sign up as soon as the episode comes out, they would have access to seasons four and five of Everybody Loves Raymond. So, you know, that's oh, look forward to that. Oh, no. Wait, you can't finish all the seasons. Well, I mean, you couldn't anyway. So it's like rotating between seasons. Is there, there's no? Pa- I'm guessing there's no pattern to the seasons at all. I mean, it's it's algorithmically driven algorithmically driven they, they, they constantly bid on various you know um types of content based on what lowest prices are available and it looks like everybody loves raymond seasons four and five aka the good ones we're up we're up for auction wow the good ones okay it, it, it jumps the shark in season six you know i think i, I <sighs> woof this is uh this is one of those ad reads again i wish you would run by me <laughs> Anyway, I don't think you, we're going to get a second sponsorship from this. <laughs> so, if you are looking to, for a new, never-ending stream of content that will if, if infuse your life with continuous novelty in order to help you yeah. stave off the depressing wave of uh, vision of death that approaches with every um, inch that we advance in this world, yeah, then give I would the sign fucking up. promo code. Give them the give them the promo code right now. Sign up at Tovo.io with Stormbuds to get thirty dollars off your first year subscription. Yeah, that's fucking right, you little capitalist pig. Tovo.io. <laughs> piggy, piggy, pig. Oink, oink. Okay, are we, ba- are we back? Are we back? <laughs> We're never back. 
are we ever really back? We have a whole nother uh, segment to cover here. We uh, do. And what is increasingly becoming our, our normal runtime for this podcast, we have to uh, talk about the binding coils of Bahamut before we really are done with uh, uh, done right we can do this pretty quick we um there's a lot of good stuff in here but we can cover the material pretty quickly i think yeah so binding coils of bahamut for those who don't know is the uh, first kind of eight-man raid long series raid content um a lot of it's kind of just filler but there's like cutscenes at the start and at the beginning of each tier we meet up with Angier in the waking sands who's like Hey, I have a contact for you to go deal with uh, that that dragon roar you heard a while ago, or whatever. There's some energy readings um, from underneath some of these Garlean bases oh. that we've that we've invaded before, and I, uh, you're gonna think that this person might be a little familiar. I did not make the connection. Yeah, this is the dragon roar that happens at the yes. end of the the first Realm Reborn stuff. At yeah, the end so of 2.0. at 2.05 is when they release the first tier of. Um, Bahamut, I believe. Which just makes it even crazier that all this is optional. Like, we're going to hit this theme a lot, but, like, so much happens it's in these quests. optional, but highly recommended. The, uh, yeah, we're fine. So, we go and we meet up in Wineport uh, with a certain white-haired, blue suit-wearing individual oh, who Alphino. goes by the name Alice. Alice, oh. Don't call her Alphino. No, actually, like it, it is. I did not ex- realize we we're going to spend so much time with her during these quests. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. I, yeah, I'm enjoying great. getting to spend Glad time. We, finally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw her was in like the starter quest, where she's like, "Fuck these people." <laughs> she she seems to have a much more level head on her shoulders. She doesn't want to go around she, starting armies. She and wants shit. to, yeah. She wants to save Eorzea, but not in the way Elfino's been trying. <laughs> she was right. Spoilers. She was right. So, so, so she wants to find out what happened five years ago when Bahamut was sealed and her grandfather disappeared in the war effort yeah, to do so. That's like kind of the pressing matter at hand. Like, yeah, remember the thing that actually caused the explosion? We should probably close that thread, right? Uh, so she uh, finds these ethereal readings beneath the Garlean base, which is like great. What? But now that the Garlean thread is kind of minimized, we can fight our way through. Yeah. And we enter into what we see is a deeply embedded Allegan Empire structure. Yes, because what happened here, right, is that the the artificial moon the Allegans built to contain Bahamut crashed into the planet. So there's a couple things here. And I also wanted to do this to connect it with the Crystal Tower. That artificial moon contained Bahamut, whom they were siphoning energy from to fuel the Void Gate at the top of the crystal tower the crystal tower was but it was it was too much energy actually for it and thus um the thus the crystal tower being made of like earth ether or whatever caused the fourth calamity right um thus it sank and um we were not able to it did not get unearthed until bahamut broke free again and caused the seventh umbral calamity and then we arose and it was like so, because it because of where he the moon exploded and in its proximity to the crystal tower, suddenly the crystal tower was like visible again. The earth around it was it was like um, broken open, broken open, well, and they were like, "What?" Which is like why it was such a, a dangerous deal. We kind of didn't anyway. It was like why it was such a dangerous deal the first place that this happened and how everything's kind of connected. And so, also the implication here is that between the fourth and seventh eras, which seems to be quite a long time, uh-huh. um, Bahamut was just stuck up there in the second moon yeah. on the, <laughs> the, the planet. He was stuck up there, uh, and the clones in the crystal tower were 
preserved in there in the same technology mm-hmm. right um, and, and so these raids are going to be a series of excursions further and further down into the ruins of this giant like technological moon ruin in the landscape in order to find out what is happening what with what appear to be the remains of bahamut under the earth right so we get there the first thing we see is like a big wing and it's like oh <laughs> the only thing the thing that wing it's a huge wing the only thing it could have possibly belonged to was the elder primal bahamut we get deeper and deeper and we end up on a little platform, a little rock-like platform. And so Ellie's like, huh, that rock kind of looks like a finger. And so does that one. And so does that one. Oh my God, <laughs> we're on a hand. It's a hand the size of a, of a cruise ship. There's all these like winding cool, you know, if you've seen the movie Cube, kind of like rotating, like passageways we go down. There's all this technologically advanced shit that's happening. But So, so here's what I actually do want to call out because this is a note that I made for the Crystal Tower content that I didn't bring up when mm-hmm. we recorded that episode. I found the Crystal Tower a little visually disappointing because, like, its sort of Baroque, like, you know, gilded magic tech look was very similar to, like, everything else the Eorzeans already have going on. Mm -hmm. This looks very different. I I was really struck by how different all of this Binding Coil stuff looks. Yeah, the the, the overarching theme of crystals is something we're so used to at this point. So, Mm -hmm. like, an entire tower made out of them feels a little much, but, like, whatever. And, like, this actually in particular reminds me a lot of, like, the art and design of uh, Tsutomo Nihei, the the manga author behind Blame and stuff like that. It's got real big mega structure sort of vibes in that same way. Nice. Nice. Interesting connection to make. Where was, oh yeah, so at the end of turn five, I'm not even going to bother explaining the jargon, like there's, there's steps, but whatever. At the end of the last fight, we are met, we run into this kind of chamber and there's a laser pointing out from the chamber towards what is, what we now, what we find out to be Bahamut's head and his heart. Uh, and he is slowly regenerating after his, expo- after he was after the big explosion, right? And we are met with two people. Um, one of whom is sort of off in the distance. We don't really figure out who that is right away. But the second whom is got their back turned to us and they, they it's this old man, bald head. Who could it be? And he turns back to us and Ali's is like, Grandfather! Grandfather? Grandfather! And grandfather's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> And, and they vanishes, leave. and they're like, "What the hell?" Um, and so they leave without really doing anything. I don't. Did this do we disable this at this point? I, I, um, I don't think we interface with that. I think we're like, peace out. I don't think so because I, I think it's I think it's only later on that we're going to figure out that uh-huh. we have to. Yes, because like at this point we exit, and then exit. I gather some time elapses between like 2. when 2. the next 2. chunk 2. of content gets released, and then two point two, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe. Please correct me on our socials. On Twitter, at Stormbuds on Twitter, if because, I'm wrong. Because now we need to go track down a different set of like embedded ruins in the earth to like, find more of the machinery that is currently... What we're going to find out is sustaining and helping Bahamut regenerate. Absolutely. We do some research. Um, turns out it's just th- the planet, right? Um, and um, we find out that this sort of... The, coil, the, the technology is advanced to a point where... If Bahamut were to escape, the moon itself would like seek out <laughs> the Elder Primal to try and re-ensnare it. 
Yes, like, 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 like this Which whole this whole giant like technological apparatus, the size of again a moon, uh-huh. is all designed purely around sort of like containing and then exploiting the energy coming off of yeah. Bahamut, and so, so it, it will both trap him as long as it can, but also feed him energy to regenerate him to make him a good subject for energy extraction as as best as it can. So it's as well. like trapping the various several parts of him and then fusing them together. And regenerating him with like this like gold similar to, similar to the circus tower this gold kind of alagon markings all over him and uh, it, there yeah it's just like making this moon underneath the surface. It, it's also we get some really good jargon here like like we we're talking about like what's going on and it's like huh primals require prayer to sustain them could it be that the alagons found a way to simulate prayer in okay. order to create like artificial like worship in order yes. to keep the primal alive and I'm like okay simulate prayer is pretty good I like so the idea that like <laughs> have the alagons found a way to just make prayer up <laughs> well, like when magic That's is so real good. but you also have technology you end up asking yourself questions a like, lot of really ridiculous questions can we just like make a computer that like that does the same thing as a whole bunch of people praying <laughs> Or, well, we'll find out the answer. It's uh, that. so that's uh, we go through the second coils, which are a little. Uh, we go through those. We, we meet up with Alphino, who is like part of this, but doesn't want to tell Alice because I don't know. They just have a little sibling rivalry going on. He does also make a good point to her, which is like, "Look, our grandfather died. Don't make this about trying to rescue a dead man. It, yeah. This is about dealing with Bahamut. Yeah, it's about dealing with Bahamut, but also like." This affects me too. Stop trying to keep me out. Um, it's my grandfather too. So we go. We 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 meet the. We find the second coils entrance in Gridania somewhere, like in the shroud. Uh, not in Gridania, in the shroud, and um, we are met right away with the person who was also standing with Louisois at the first at the end of the first turn. We learn is Nail Van Darnus? No, not Van Darnus anymore. It's Nail Deus Darnus. Nail Deus Darnus. Is, Nail, yes, Dan- Nail Deus Darnus, Deus Darnus tells us is that he actually. So it's confusing, but he's right flashy. now he. You're right now he says like he he reveals that he is kind of a simulacrum of um a figure that the that that bah- that the uh, the energy of Bahamut kind of latched onto sort of to um. Yeah, let me see if I have this right. Cause I, yeah. I also found it confusing. Nail was a Garlean, yes, who was involved in some capacity with everything going down around five years ago with Bahamut and everything. Mm-hmm. Nail was about to die. Nail and actually, so yeah, Nail, they could fully die. Bahamut grabbed like the last bits of their soul and was like, nope, "I have to, I have to interrupt you because you did mm-hmm. remind me of what Nail actually did. Nail was um, basically driven mad with power and wanted to just was also." Spoilers in league, in league with the Asians, trying to cause destruction in so much as um, firing, uh, initiating Project Meteor, which was to crash the moon of Dalamud into the planet. Um, he, unbeknownst to Nail at the time, there was a Bahamut inside, <laughs> but um, Bahamut then like latched onto this figure to kind of, as he escaped, sort of like have an an avatar i guess i don't know it's final fantasy bullshit anyway they we fight nail we 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 chase nail down a bunch of corridors and fight nail and that fight uh is notoriously extremely hard we did this unsynced it's very way. cool it's really cool um worth watching a, a, a like a, a pov clear video of something at the time if you want but uh we just did it unsynced because this shit's hard 
and uh, we dissipate its essence and we learn a little bit more about the nature and the motivations of Bahamut from Nail. Like, Bahamut is pissed off that it was trapped in this shit forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, seems like a b- bad deal. Bad deal. Um, and Nail also kind of has a moment of self-awareness that like, oh, I don't exist. <laughs> so it was really kind of interesting sort of existential crisis that she, he has and then right before she gets light stabbed yeah um confusingly enough yeah so nail the actual i think a lot of people don't know this so i do want to take the extra time to explain nail's original 1.0 backstory nail died a long time ago the real one kind of like a if you've played uh ace attorney the case two two where the sister kind of like inhabits the other the personality of the of, of her dead sibling and then, like, does a bunch of crimes <laughs> under the name. Same thing, right? Uh, Nail sister Eula, who uh, was kind of destined to be a Garlean, what is it, chemist or something, and instead was, like, so despondent over her brother's death that was basically her dad's fault that she took her brother's name and position in the military and did a bunch of crazy shit, like kill her dad and then want to destroy the world, basically, uh, summing it up. I'm sure the motivation was more nuanced, but I didn't play 1.0. Uh, so when Bahamut recreated Nail Van Darnus, all he had to work off was actually Eula's appearance. So like at first they were using male pronouns, but then they find out <laughs> that it was like a woman under the, that, it, the, that, that the robot was Samus. You know, Samus is a girl. Face. I did. Even with the context you've given me, I can barely follow any of this. <laughs> I th- me thinks it was a little over contrived. A little bit. But I'm glad they kind of just put the a pin in that. What happened to Nail Van Darnus at the end? Because like he was the main, he was the end boss of 1.0, basically. Uh, moving on, we disable the second regeneration beam from the second set of ruins, and then um, the grand her grandfather attacks us with thunder magic and tells us that he will not allow us to further sabotage the coils. And Alice realizes like, oh, that's not grandfather. It's not who I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um. And then sabotages the coils. Yes. <laughs> She's like, fuck you. It's okay. Um, so we mm-hmm. exit and then presumably another gap of time happens yeah. and then it's time to come back. And now we have to disable the last two coils. Yes. One of which is at the burning wall and one of which is at the singing shards. Right. We uh, go to each one and discover that neither of them are accessible. I don't know why we had to go to them. Yep. So uh, yeah, Louis was fucking with us. He's like, ah oh, shit there's too much ether density so we have to find a new way in and then uh we just like teleport in somehow I we, 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 the same kind of like thing we did to track tra- tra- lady ice heart we're like yeah. look big etheric current we can kind of just like brute force our way in yeah this happened and, like, uh in 2.4 by the way so we now have the technology to do that so we just brute force our way in yes and so we fight our way down the final set of coils and which which starts with us discovering that there are a lot of dragons held in appear, what appear to be like stasis tanks. Yeah, so like there's the stasis tanks that existed kind of in the second coil. With we kind of like passing close, like oh, what are those? Whatever. We have a nail a nail to kill, and then we're like, hmm, this is weird. They're here again. Anyway, what could be possibly be sustaining this this Bahamut still? Like we're still we haven't really answered this question. And then like. Uh, uh, <sighs> It cuts t- then uh, while oh goodness let me try again while Elise is thinking of aloud she goes oh my god 
oh, oh, these dragons in these stasis chambers are being forced to pray. So that's what they're simulating prayer by keeping a bunch of dragons in tanks and making them like believe in Bahamut in order mm-hmm. to keep Bahamut alive, which is um, fucked up. Really fucked up. The Allegans are extremely fucked up society and yes. it's very good that they're not here anymore which we see more of when we get to turn two which is the big red and black death orb big red and black death orb tell us more about it it's a giant platformy labyrinth with death walls all over and then we run through it and we run inside the big orb which it turns out this whole thing is like a, it's a simulacrum of what the interior of the moon was like and again yeah. it's like oh and also like bahamut was trapped in this giant spherical death orb prison for thousands of years. I think so. Understandably upset. Understandably quite angry. Pretty, pretty upset. Um, we also have a moment where we're like, they call it out. The twins call it out. Ali says like, man, I don't, fuck, I don't fucking blame him for blowing it up. It's like, whoa, are you going to let him? <laughs> it's like, we do still out? need to stop him from destroying the no, world. We but just, I can just understand his motivations a little bit better. But we didn't just stop him from destroying the world. From regener- regenerating fully. Turn three, we run into Louis Swa again. And Alfie No makes a brilliant deduction based off of what had happened to Louis Swa previously we get this very cool cutscene, which i did not understand at first but i get now so before we fight the boss battle alif said alfino says he says you're not you are our grandfather but you're a you're a primal <laughs> and the way he was able to deduce that was because there was a lot of ether when your containment spell failed on bahamut and something happened <laughs> something happened to bahamut so now that we know what we know about primals and about how you can just sort of make primals if there's ether in prayer and everyone was praying a whole lot at the time, you have to be a primal. And he was like, very good. Yeah, yeah, yes. Sorry. So just to, so to my understanding of this is there was a big final climactic showdown, which yes. we see in which Bahamut in the moon is rocketing towards the this earth. This happens after the boss battle, right? So oh, okay. we've deduced that he's a primal. He reveals that he is, in fact, a primal. He's the primal phoenix uh, kind of born from the desire to be for everyone to like recover and re- be reborn from the calamity. Right. Yep. That's the, pri- the, 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 the shape it took form. Then we fight Phoenix because we fucking have to. Otherwise, the primals are bad. They still they drain energy from the planet. This is also a pretty good fight. Pretty good fight. Um, just good music. Answers theme. Very emotional cutscene afterwards in which Louis Swa kind of comes to his senses. We, I don't know, you know, Final Fantasy, when you beat somebody. They like that, they break out of whatever madness spell they were under. So he's at the, these last final moments are mine to live as I was, right? So he gets this really great scene with his grandchildren he tells them like you know he, he tells them like inspiring things they both need to hear especially mm-hmm. alice needs to hear that like look stop trying to like do things for the ideals of other people find your own path find what you believe in and commit to working on that mm-hmm. which is you know a good message for her yes absolutely okay but this is where we get the cut scene in which we yes. do see that there is bahamut and his giant moon orb crashing into the earth mm-hmm. louis Wa, um, trying just trying to hold it back yeah. trying to hold it back realizing he's not going to make it happen realizing he has to basically sacrifice himself turns himself into basically a human torpedo and shoots himself at Bahamut and at that point I guess what I'm gathering is that like the the faith and hopes and prayers of all the people in Eorzea at that moment like mm. imbue him with like the 
power of so no yeah he the, to become the torpedo he has to become the primal but okay. um as he relinquished his soul bahamut tempered it oh okay <laughs> so he was so, tempered to lord bahamut okay so he becomes a primal but also like enthralled yes. to lord bahamut yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um a very powerful ally to have so because bahamut's fucking powerful <laughs> You saw how massive this thing is. He has a lot, like, you could blow him up, but even still, like, he's not completely gone. I, I don't think, like, even skyscraper size doesn't do justice to this dragon. This dragon no, is enormous. He's literally, they could not fit him on any screen unless he was, he's the size of a planet. He's the size of a moon. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, he's the size of our our actual moon. <laughs> he, and he was born from, they, they hint at this, they kind of, later, but yeah, I mean, like, when you think about it, like what could possibly have summoned this thing, right? The primals we've seen aren't that big, too. There must have been a huge, a huge conflict or something, right? Huge amount of prayer that Would, needed to have summoned this absolutely fucking Goliath primal. And uh, hopefully, we find out what that what that was. I suspect that we will. I suspect yeah. this is going to they, be important. They they've really they've done a good job with the history of this game. They've done a good job of like categorizing it into digestible eras. Like there was this calamity and this one and this one happened at this time. Um, and kind of, and each of the different sort of subchapters will explore different ones sort of. So we kind of know what happened in the third or the, the fourth calamity with the Allegan Empire being part and of the, the third astral. Dravanians being not into it. And is this Dravanians? Dravanians were not, I don't believe that was the part of the, no, okay, sorry. The, the, the Dravanians are specifically the dragons who have a problem with Ishgard. There yeah. are other dragons who the Allegans were in conflict with. Yes, yes. So they're the Merisidians. They're the Merisidians. Okay, the Merisidian dragons were in conflict with the Allegans yeah. and they summoned Bahamut, which I do think we learn here. That comes oh, up. Okay, here. we do learn. Yeah, they summoned. That, that so comes like, up in this content. Imagine how oppressed these poor dragons. I mean, you, you see a little bit about how oppressed they, they were in this instance, but like the whole continent. <laughs> The elegance being this bad does reframe some of the Crystal Tower content in a way where I'm yes. like, eh, maybe we, maybe we don't want to wake that thing yeah, up. Yeah, I was ever like, again. we should we should leave this alone until we can control it because elegant technology is real fucked up and does not appear to have ever been put towards particularly good ends. Not not yet. <laughs> uh, certainly not by uh, Amon and and Zandi or and anything you know. Okay. But it is time for us to disable the final coil. Yes. As we attempt to do that, all of a sudden, um, the corpse of Bahamut's eyes glow and an energy ball begins charging. It explodes. It's dramatic. Yeah. Alice, like, charges up and, like, drops drops a shield that'll help protect us from the blast. Yeah. Alphano jumps in to join her. They have their cool books that I did not realize were books. That's books- funny, yeah. Like, in the prior speech, like, you two are two still fighting. Uh, in spite of the twin grimoires that I've bestowed upon you to bring you together. And we were both, <laughs> and I was just imagining them both being like, wait, these are books. <laughs> the, the, wait, wait, that's what these stupid, I like, I just put them on to be nice. <laughs> the, the proportions are so weird. They're like six inches wide and 18 inches tall. They're like, like restaurant it, menus. Yeah. <laughs> They're been. not books. So, but then they, the, the, the both the books fly up and merge into one mega book and the one mega book is very powerful and you can get like a whole lot of grand slams oh and this is when i i think it's i think this is when i human torpedo uh into bahamut's heart that menu's got the secret menu on it yes that's where you get the, that's where you get the um the house sauce you get that the whole chicken head in the soup 
<laughs> you get the delicacies. Um, and you take that soup and you, you have to go fight what's left of Bahamut, right? So Bahamut kind of uses what's, what is left of him that's not being regenerated to get kind of a simulacrum called Bahamut Prime. And we finally fight Bahamut for real. A form of Bahamut. We fight Bahamut Prime. Yeah, yeah. The essence of Bahamut. Uh, this fight's, if you want to look up some streamers doing it, like a lot of the times when there was that streamer surge, they would do this at like kind of synced and like um, you could see some of the difficulty of it. Uh, but nowadays it's very trivial, of course. But very cool. Not that bad. Very cool. We got the sword and shield to drop for you. Yeah, it was great. It, which is cool. So you get to use that. Um, and but we beat him and, we, and then we get back to the controls and we disable the coil and finally Bahamut turns back blue and glowy and implodes leaving behind his crystal heart which explodes and we say he's truly gone finally gone jesus christ and the ether and the ether, all the ether that he's been sucking up from the world can now go back to it we're not going to see all these crystals in our lifetimes go away right but now the world can finally actually heal from the calamity and most importantly we talk with Alfino after the fact and we're like uh, yeah, we're not telling anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, um, and this has to be a secret. Oh, yeah, it has to be a secret because if, if the people knew that, like, you know, that Louis Wa was the Phoenix Primal, maybe they'd start worshiping, worshiping him. Worshiping him and summoning him. <laughs> and then we'd have another Primal to deal with. But maybe we do summon him at some point. Which is actually a very... Like, that's a cool hook, right? That's actually a pretty clever way of bracketing off sort of this stuff happening here mm-hmm. so that, you know, th- that we don't, we're not constantly bringing up every, all these events that happen throughout the rest of the story. At least, I assume, until we get to... You said it was, like, highly recommended to play this before Endwalker? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's what... Um, I would... I would have... I mean, it's important to play it now, like, as soon as you're going through it. Sure. But, like... Yoshi P said that included that in the list of things you should do before Endwalker. Okay. If you haven't done them yet. Okay. I, I'm guessing Bahamut does not come back between now and then. Then. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, You're making a face. We'll I, see. People who know, know why I'm making a face. It's not a spoilery story thing, but like if you maybe explore some of the other options you have available to your character. You okay. I will, I will go take some other quests. <laughs> you might, you might see something interesting as a little teaser for you to get into a particular area of study. Uh, that is the end of the binding coils of Bahamut and it's time for our housekeeping segment. Sweep, 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 sweep. Got to do our little housekeeping. Want to plug our, socials we're, we're most active on tiktok and twitter at this point i'm just gonna listen i, I have a full-time job i'm gonna do the tiktok and the twitter the youtube that's stuff where the engagement and the, is yeah the youtube stuff is and the instagram especially not the instagram stuff i l- love you if you're following on instagram continue to do so we'll, i'll still make posts about when we're posting and share it here but like more of our u- video content is going to be on twitter and on um it's a tiktok both at Stormbuds. So you can respond to our questions of the week. Uh, you can get a little best of highly easily digestible clips there. Working on a little something something as well coming in the pipeline. Um, in terms eyebrows of, are being raised. Eyebrows are being raised in terms of uh, content for you all there. So keep an eye out on our socials for whatever that could possibly be. That's going to be a fun little project. Um, and I also wanted to thank... Um, this uh, Stitcher user for their lovely feedback. Um, the Stitcher user named um, 
Xing, uh, stream Xing. Sorry, I read it backwards. Stream Xing. Oh yes, you read it backwards. <laughs> that happens. That happens a lot. Um, and uh, they said about our episode, Liquid Gold. Um, wow, I love this episode because it talks about my favorite thing a lot, which is piss. I mean, I, I'm glad we got all the content in there. I can't guarantee we'll have more piss content in future episodes, but, you know. Can't guarantee, but I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say that there isn't piss content coming. We'll see where the game takes us. We will see. De- depends on how much we deal with the monetarists. Since that's really where it came from. I, I suppose, with. yes. We'll see which expansions they show back up in. No, that also will bring us, I think, to the end of season one of our podcast, now that we have finished A Realm Reborn. You're giving this a season? <laughs> yeah, it, it has a season right now in, in the podcast manager. I mean, look, we're not taking a break or anything. No. It's just that for the Heavensward episodes, yeah. we'll put in a two in the season field. You know what? I'm, I'm all for it. A set, yeah, why not? I think that's fun. I think that's fun. Um, nothing is going to change. <laughs> The next episode will still be in two weeks, but the next episode will still be. Yeah, we we've got our schedule down pat now. Um, and thank you all so much for this, the, the good good love, the engagement, the the kind words. Um, God, was there anything else we needed to talk about? I can't imagine there being. Okay, well, until the next episode, born from buds, storm of buds. We've been the storm buds, baby. Bahamut is dead. Bahamut is dead. We're talking about the importance of riding the bevel. What? 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 Huh? What? What? Huh? What?